Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week's message by Trevor Baker is called The Place of the Open Heaven. This is our final call for the Holy Spirit weekend from Thursday the 30th of June to Saturday the 2nd of July with guest speakers Barbara Yoda, Mary Audrey Raycroft, David Campbell and Trevor Baker. Visit our website to register your place today. There is no charge. www.revivalfires.org.uk Thank you, Anna. See, there's things that you do when no one is watching, and then God allows you to do it when everyone's watching. Can you see? And, um, and I hope your home is like that. I hope your home is a place that you do things where no one's watching, good things, so that God gets to allow you to do them when everyone's watching. I mean, that's a, a message in itself. But um, we've got, we've been, um, we were picking up the food yesterday. And, and I just felt there was something so prophetic about it. And um, the, the thing is, they told us we had to go and get the call box because they were wanting to give us lettuce. And, uh, and so One lettuce and all the leaves. That's just like us together. And uh, you need to do a search in the Bible this week, because God will bless you, of all that let us. Let us, right? Not forget, let us not forsake the gathering together of believers. Let us continue in faith. You just go through the letters. But you see, so listen, you can pick up a lettuce today just to remind you, okay? But just go through a word search. But also, you see, we're all together. See, there's one and we're all together. So we, we're all individual. Every leaf is individual. Can you see? But they're all joined together. Isn't that amazing? See, we're all individual, but there's something that we have. I can pull this just one more. I can just pull this one back. This is where, like they say, you never do things with animals and children and also with lettuces. (laughs) Okay? I just found another one then. But you see, all individual, and yet everyone is connected to the stump. So that was the one thing that we gave. The other was that we have also had some bread. And again, there's a something that's home, but we all have to come and take something. I need some water too. <laughs> no, and no, I'm not in prison, okay? Nothing <laughs> bread and water. I believe there's bread of life for us all. And, um, and God wants to take you into a new dimension of life. Yes, but he right. wants to do it together. Yes. So we're all taking from the same. We're all coming to the same bread of life, the Lord Jesus. So right. there you are. And then, 
They gave us eggs. Who's going to catch this? <laughs> and what, what does an egg represent? Expectancy. Expectancy. That's prophetic. Okay? So that's prophetic because I believe that God wants to give every one of you a new sense of expectancy in his presence. Amen? Here you are, Terry. See? And let me tell you, you never know when it's coming. You just need to be ready. Listen, you take hold of those three things today, and let me tell you, your life can change. And um, the person who brought it all to us, do you know what his name was? Joshua. And not only that, I was going to take the, all the food down to the car um, myself. And, um, and then um, the person who's over it all, whose name is John Walker, so no, I've got nothing on whiskey, okay? <laughs> Um, but I'm sure some of the prophetic people will make something out of Walker. Um, but what he said was this, that um, you don't need to take it down to your car on your own. Josh will take it down for you. See, see I believe that God's got people positioned for us yeah. in order to aid us, to get us where we need to be so that... We don't have to think we're doing it all ourselves. And I was quite able to do it, but he said, you know, he said, uh, Josh said to me, he said, you know, I, I don't mind doing this. He said, because it gives me a bit of a break from all the ordinary. And then we just, we were in the lift and I said, hey, Josh, do you ever go to church? And uh, he said, no. He said, I used to when I was smaller. He said, but my gran has just started going to church somewhere in Dudley. And, um, and I said, well, you know, you may want to come along to some of our meetings so you can see what we do with your food. And uh, I might take him a little video of the thing this morning, Ryan, for next week when we go. Um, and so, you know, that God's got everything sorted out for us. Who wants another one? Here you are. Did it break? Oh, there you go. See? Listen, listen. Norman, Norman, that's prophetic because God is about to break something open for you in a new way. See? See, so often, see, so often we can look at the negative. Oh, he didn't catch it. Oh, he wasn't like... Terry, who caught his, he didn't, he broke his. But can you see? We need to move to a whole new dimension where we see God is wanting, and Norman, I believe God is going to open something up to you in a whole new way. Something that you've been expecting God to do, but God's going to open it up in a new way. Why? Because you were prepared and you just gave it a shot. And that's all you ever need to do is just keep giving it shots. 
because you think sometimes you fail, but God says that with him you never fail. It's just a way to move into something more. Hallelujah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the eggs down quickly. <laughs> and uh, otherwise, well, maybe I'll throw one or two more out. You know, just to, you know, and, uh, but let me tell you this. I, I also feel there's something really on the, the whole thing with expectancy. And, and that is if you're here and God is beginning to open up a new sense of expectancy. Listen, we have enough eggs out there for everyone to take one. Just take it. And um, don't let it go moldy or rotten. Eat it this week and um, eat something of, you know, that sense of God's expectancy and faith. Because I believe God is moving you to a new place. Now, Julie, will you come and give that word that you had this morning? Um, it was just about God bringing us to a... Is this on? Um, a new place of faith and expectancy, but obviously I didn't know what um, Trevor was going to be talking about later. And um, as we came into the prayer meeting, I just had a sense, and I'm not a great horse racing fan, but I just had a sense of um, like before a big race, when all the horses are all milling around, ready, get, getting ready for the off, and people are watching the race, and there's a great sense of expectancy, um, if you've ever been to a race meeting. But the horses are all going in different ways and meandering about doing their own thing um, but they're chomping at the bit which was another word that um, Val mentioned about us being chomping at the bit and um, there comes a time when they all come and they are all turned around and there was a lot of songs that we were singing today and words about being turned around so this is, there was just this real sense of expectancy at this very important race people doing their own thing meandering around and then suddenly there being the right time and the turning and the coming together and I just felt God was saying that we're under starters orders so it's a really critical point now that you know the eyes of the world are on us the expectancy is high and we're under starters orders to turn to be positioned to to when we just get that as trevor was just saying that being ready to just run into the arms of jesus which we were singing about earlier good and now terry you've got a verse from ezekiel can you come and give that Yeah, it's from Ezekiel 34, and he says, I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit, and the ground will yield its crops, and the people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord. See, hallelujah. Who wants, who wants the showers in season, huh? That's the best time to have rain. And, um, you know, in England, we don't know too much about that because we seem to have rain all the time. Um, but when you are in places that need rain in seasons, let me tell you, it is right at the most opportune time that God releases things into certain geographical places. 
And now I just sense that in the spirit realm, God is wanting to open up, wanting to open up his provision in geographical places so that we become fruitful. So that we produce all that God wants my life and your life to produce, what we are to produce corporately. And so, you know, as I've been thinking over this over the last couple of weeks, well, let me get two announcements out of the way um, because I just want to reinforce the whole thing of baptism. Okay? Listen, if you want to be baptized, it's going to be a great weekend. And it, it connects in. It connects in with the whole um, Holy Spirit weekend. And I just want to just give that, if you haven't been baptized as a believer, I'm not talking about infant baptism, I'm talking about baptism as a believer, that when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, because you know, that's the time, and I want you to come, just speak to me afterwards and we'll arrange everything, um, so that that's going to be a great, great um, time. And then also, I want to prepare you for next weekend. Next weekend is a first fruit celebration. And it's the month of Siva, which is the seventh month in terms of the calendar. And it's also the number seven. And, uh, and I just sense that God, I want to prepare you because God's going to bring things to completion. See, seven is completion. You know, it's where God marks off seven days and there's the completion of a week. And I'm believing that God's going to give us some tremendous revelation for next week. But coming back to this morning, see, places are important. It says here, the place of the open heaven. And um, see, an open heaven positions you for prophetic experiences. Who wants a prophetic experience? See, God is wanting to give us prophetic experiences all the time. Why? Because he wants to release to us the now word. The now word is the Rema word. God speaking directly into your heart. And as he speaks into your heart, things become alive. You know, just like you know, some of the words already given this morning. Who feels that they're on the starting blocks and under, start, under starting starters orders? Go! <laughs> 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 Can you see? Oh, oh, it's done. <laughs> you know? And, um, but that's the ream of word. And that we need to step into at that moment. Because those are the things that God has for us. And so when we're coming into prophetic, when we're talking about an open heaven, it isn't just that, you know, we see certain things. Can you put, oh, there it is. Thank you, Ryan. That's the picture from Bethel. In Israel when we went. And that was just literally looking at when we were at Bethel. I put the camera in the sky, clicked it, and that's the picture that I got. Isn't that amazing? In terms of an open heaven, God was just giving us one of those things that just said, Hey, you're under an open heaven. You're in the right place. You see, an open heavens and prophetic experiences is that we make ourselves available for God. See, that's all you have to do is to make yourself available to God and God will open heaven and release prophetic experiences into your life. I thought I was just going down nine o'clock last night, just going down to pick up some food from Tesco's. God had another purpose. 
in the ordinary and in the mundane. Why? Because I just positioned myself. I could have done lots of other things at nine o'clock at, on a Saturday evening. You know? And yet here, this is what we get out of it all. Because you just make yourselves the best. God will turn the mundane into the miraculous. God will turn the ordinary into the extraordinary. God will turn the natural into the supernatural. And is all we do is we position ourselves. Making ourselves available. Positioning ourselves for heavenly encounters. And seeing things in the realm of the spirit. 2 Kings 6. Do you remember Elisha? He was with his servant. The mountain was surrounded by armies and the servant says what are we going to do and Elijah Elisha just said Lord open his eyes one of the quickest prayers that you can pray wasn't oh God we're in a real mess here do something Lord we we need you to break in he just said Lord Open his eyes. And as he prayed that prayer, the servant looked again. So he wasn't blind. He just looked again and he saw the mountain now surrounded by the angelic hosts. And Elijah says, Elisha says, those who are for us are more than those who are against us. Somebody here needs to hear that. Whatever you're going through, you need to know that those who are for you are more than those who are against you. Hallelujah. Just receive that. Whoever it's for, you just receive it. If you've been going through things and you think, God, I don't know if I can get through this. There's so many things I'm having to deal with. Let me tell you, you need to hear that word. There is, there is an army of heaven that God has released just for you. So receive it. So we get to see things in the spirit realm. And we have to have an expectancy to see visions. You know, get hold of that word today. The, the eggs, get hold of that word today. Some of you need to get hold of that word, expectancy. Get hold of it. Some of you need a new expectancy. Some of you need to take one of those eggs to remind you. That God is giving you something that's going to be birthed in your life. So that others can be blessed. So we have to have an expectation to see visions. See that's what it is of having an open heaven and walking in prophetic experiences. It isn't something that is mystical. Though it's very mystical when it happens. You understand? It's something that's very, very ordinary. And yet God, he's able to turn it around. And as he turns it around, you begin to see things like you've never seen things before in your life. And God begins to speak. And he says things like, let us. And you get it. And he says things like he is the bread of life and we all come to receive. And you get it. He says that there is a new expectancy and you get it. See, we could have just said those words, but now you have a picture. 
See, you have a picture of what it is like to be together. You have a picture to see everything is individual and yet it's all connected. See, without that, without that vision is all it is, is words. But now you will never forget it. Whenever you see that word, those words, let us not give up as some of them do. When you see those words, let us, and you just read through. Let us with one accord. And there's lots more there. See, you'll never be able to read that passage again or those words again without that vision. And When you get it, you need to realize it's not just for you. God is giving it to you so that others can also receive what you have gotten from the root. Hallelujah. And so here, positioning ourselves, being in the right place. Let me tell you, places are important. Did you know that before God created people, he created places? Wow. See, we thought we were the most important thing. No, God created the heavens and the earth. Then he created a whole lot of other things before he created man. Man was the last thing. And I believe it was the last because it was also the best. Let me tell you, we are not little groveling worms. We are the best of God's creation. When he created us, he created everything for us so that we could be priests and kings in ruling and caring for that which he created. Wow. Thank you, God. I want to get into more of being in the right place. See, places are important. Did you know that Dudley, the name Dudley means a clearing of woodlands. So that it becomes a pasture land. Well, see, and I believe God has been clearing things out in this city. Some of you are in positions of work and you need to realize again you're there in order to clear out the wood so that what was just what was just a woodland can become a pasture land something can be changed and transformed see i believe that god wants to change and to transform dudley i believe that we are in the right place i believe that you're here if you live and work in dudley you're in the right place for god to do things for you and it says, you know, in um, Luke chapter 2, and uh, it says that they found no place in the inn. So they placed him in a manger. Have you ever read that and you're thinking, oh, okay, so there was no room for him in the, the inn. But you see, places are important. The word there is the word, just for some of you here, the word there is a word called topos, which we get the word topography from. A topographist is somebody who maps out lands and, and nations, maps out territory, maps out the hills, the, the valleys, the rivers, and then maps out towns. And he's called, uh, it's called topography. And so it's about places. And so that word is there. So it's about a place. They found no place. There wasn't a geographical place for Jesus in the inn. There wasn't a place for him to be uh, had at the inn. And then they said, and they placed him in a manger. 
When the angels spoke, they didn't talk about the inn. What did the angels say? You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a Manger. manger. Listen, places are important. You thought it was just a little slip that he had no place. No, because there was going to be angelic revelation to a group of shepherds who were just doing their ordinary everyday work, looking after sheep. And God breaks in at that place. They were in the fields tending their sheep when suddenly they got an egg thrown at them. Do you understand? And when it came, they took hold of it. How do I know they took hold of it? Because they went to the place that the angel had told them about. Let me tell you, if you get nothing from this morning, I want you to get hold of this, that the place where you are is important. And it's so important because of what God is wanting to reveal to you and then through you so that you can bring heaven to earth in that place. God has no other but me and you. And so here for Jesus, there was no place. We were in Israel just recently. And um, you go to Luke chapter 22. Luke is, Luke is great for places. I mean, Luke is just one of those writers. I mean, he, he uses this word a lot. And he wrote the book of Acts. And when they were all together in one place. Then the Holy Spirit came. See, so places are important. But you see, you have to realize, what did Jesus say? Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem. Until you have received power from on high. We're going to come to that in a moment. We're going to come to the other part that connects with Revelation. See, but there was a place. God was not going to pour it out. He could have poured it out in Bethel. He could have poured it out in Hebron. He could have poured it out at Shiloh. All of those were important places in the history of God's people. But he says, do not leave Jerusalem. And listen, Jerusalem wasn't a good place for Jesus. Did you know that? Did you know that most of the things that Jesus did wasn't in Jerusalem, it was in the Galilee? Did you know that? Jesus spent very little time in Jerusalem. And when he did go down to Jerusalem, he always faced opposition. But there was times when he went into different places and people gladly heard him. See, there are places where God has got you, going to take you to, that people are going to gladly hear. See, you thought that it's going to be tough and people don't want to hear. Listen, it was so easy to talk to Josh last night. And listen, I didn't give him the old nine yards with regard to becoming a Christian. But now... He's there. Did you know? Do you know what he said to me? He said, I'll be here on duty every Saturday night. Thinking, thank you for that bit of information, Lord. 
So I can pray. I can pray that when I'm going down, God, I want an open heaven. I want a prophetic experience so that I can touch Josh's life with a revelation from heaven. And he will have to acknowledge that you know everything about him. See, that's what it does. It becomes so easy. God is going to make it easy. But there's some places that are also tough. See, Jesus, he didn't stay in Jerusalem. See, we need to learn that the places that we visit, Mm -hmm. where we're tolerated or opposed, and then there are places where we're celebrated. See, I want want everyone here who are part of Revival Fires. I want you to be in a place where you you really know that you're celebrated. You know, there's things that God has got for you to do. There's things that he's put into your life. The way that he has shaped you. You know, your leaf. Can you see? Your leaf. Unique. But it has a right place. And to know where it fits. Can you see? So that we can be all that God wants us to be. So places are important. It says in... Genesis chapter 28, verse 13, I think it is. You can read the whole passage and you'll find the right verse if I haven't got it. But it says, and Jacob, when he was running away from his brother, it says, he went from Beersheba to Haran. And he stopped the night in a certain place. Listen, it wasn't Bethel at that point. It, it was a nameless place. And when you look at Beersheba, do you know what Beersheba means? It means the well of the seven promises. I'd like to live in a Beersheba, wouldn't you? The well of the sevenfold promise of God. Or another way of putting it is the well of the seven covenants. That's what it meant. Now listen, for it to be called that, you would easily see that there must have been covenants made in that place. And so here the sevenfold covenants is a place of completion, a promise. And so here he's just received from his father. What had he received? The promise. That he was going to be the one who was going to receive all the inheritance. And he did it with all his conniving. See, we have have a picture of God that he only does things for perfect people. See, Anna was with somebody this last week. And um, they had... um, suffered Bell's palsy recently and they were still struggling with it and so what they so they were just talking they looked at Anna because Anna had had Bell's palsy when she was a little girl and she said so what happened now it's all she did she just related to this person all the prophetic experiences that Ellie had Ellie had two prophetic experiences they were seven and ten I want you to get hold of this. 
this morning. There's lots more I could do, but I'm just sort of focusing on some things. There's lots more I have to say, and I, I've, got, I've got lots of time because I'm not going anywhere for the next few years. So it's okay, <laughs> not just for today, okay? And do you know why? Because I know this is my place. It's as simple as that. And so Anna was talking, and she said, well, Ellie had a picture of, a, of two trees, first of all. One was a, a burnt, um, a dead Christmas tree. The other was a live Christmas tree. That was a key in there. The other was, as she was she had another vision. One was a dead garden, and the other was a half of the garden was alive with all flowers. So we said to Ellie, so what do you think it means? Now, listen. We were at about November, and Anna had had Bell's palsy for about three months by this time, and no change. Just the whole of the face had just closed down. And, um, and so Ellie said this, um, I believe that God is going to make the one half of her face that's dead like the other half. So the whole garden is going to come to life. And I said, so what about the Christmas trees, Ellie? And she said, well, I believe it's going to be at Christmas. Now listen, I, I never believed in the 12 days of Christmas till that time. Because on the 12th day of Christmas, my true love sent to me. So you think, you know, not a partridge, but he sent... A smile back to Anna's face. Isn't that amazing? And her whole face was healed. Started to see it on that day. And it was completed. See, And so she was talking to this person. This person said, I'm going into deeper repentance. Just, you know, I, I, I just feel that maybe I need to go into deeper repentance because of this or that that's gone on and all of these things. See, what we have to understand is God still wants to bless us even in our weakness. Even in all our conniving. See, Jacob was a conniver. But also, his leaf, see, most of us, Think of Jacob as the usurper. We could write usurper over this. The, the struggler. We could write struggler over this. We could write grasper over this. But you know what God sees on the other side? Because we had a word earlier turning it inside out. Didn't we? So you can't see. When it's all in place, you can't see. See, we all see what's on the outside. See, but God has a way of turning us inside out. And as he does, we don't look much different, just a little bit. But what he puts on it, he writes, pursuer of God. He puts on it, tenacious. He puts on it, one who will never give up. Can you see? And God wants to bring that out of us as he deals with this. Okay? So that what we are in secret, when no one's looking, God can do with us in public when everybody's watching. Can you see? And he just works in us, those things. So get the message of the letters. 
You see, and we can have this view, it's only when I'm perfect that God's going to step in. When in all his imperfections, God gave him an open heaven. God gave him a prophetic experience and he hadn't dealt with all the issues in his life at that point. See, some of you are waiting for God to deal with all the issues in your life and then you might feel that you're acceptable to God. I want you to know this morning that the time you received the Lord Jesus Christ, you became accepted in the one he loved. You did, totally. Totally accepted in the one he loves. Does it mean that God doesn't want to work on the imperfections? Well, no. It's all he wants to do is to turn you inside out. Can you see? So that what you, all the experiences of life on the outer... God wants to so take those off you and then he wants to reveal the experiences that you've gone through deep in your heart that nobody's seen. And he is going to so embellish, he's going to so beautify those things so that when he turns you inside out, you're going to look amazing. Hallelujah. But we have this warped idea of God, and Jacob had it too. But you see, do you know what Haran means? Because he went from Bathsheba to Haran. It means a parched place. Now, why would you go from the sevenfold well of promise to the parched place? Huh? But that's what he did. He went from Bathsheba, the sevenfold well of promise of covenant. I mean, how dumb is that, Ros? Huh? To go from there and to go all the way over here and to go to Haran, which is called, it means a parched place. See, names in the Bible, they're not abstract. They have a meaning attached to them. Something that happened. Listen, if you're reading the Bible, if you're reading names, even your own name, you go to the first time it was used because that will tell you a lot about the name of the place. Just throwing some things out for you so that you can get the juicy bits as well. And it becomes your revelation. And so then it goes to Haran. Haran means a parched place. Now what's God doing? He's already given him the promise But you see, in order to get him where he wants to be, he has to remove all the distractions. In terms of Dudley, he has to clear all the wood out of the way. In terms of Jacob, he has to remove all the things he's putting his hopes in. See, what he put his hopes in was his ability to be a grasper, a cheat. Somebody who would steal for his own benefit. Can you see? All of those things. And so God was already had promised him before he deals with all of these things. And let me tell you, God always has someone who's a bigger grasper, a bigger cheat, and a bigger conniver than you. If that's who you are. So, put it another way, put it like this. 
Whatever the area of failing or weaknesses in your life, in order for God to deal with it, he will bring someone into your path, your place. That might be your boss. It might be a work colleague. I was going to say it might be your spouse, but we won't go there. But you see, he will bring someone in who is far better in that area of weakness than you are. So for Jacob, he brings a, what was his father-in-law's name? A Laban. I mean, Laban was a stinker. I mean... Jacob, in comparison to Laban, he was a little five foot four. Laban was a six foot four. Do you understand? So God will always bring someone who is more, or who has more of that area of flaw or failure in your life in order to deal with it in you. Can you see? So that God can get you back into the right place. And so here, what happens with Jacob is at this place and he gets an open heaven. And you know the story. And he sees the angels of God ascending and descending and the Lord at the top. I'm not going to go into that um, this morning. But then he comes to his senses. He's in this place, he's running away, he's robbed his brother Esau of the blessing through such a conniving. I mean, he wore goat fur or hair. His mother got involved with him on that because there's always somebody who will get involved with you. So that's why God has to strip you of these things. And he takes him to Haran at Haran. He's got nothing. He's there on his own. And there's another time that he comes when he's on his own. We won't go there this morning. You can read the story. But there's another time when he's left alone. But that night he was left alone too. At the beginning of his, this journey. And at the end of the journey, twice he's left alone. Wow. Now that tells you something. That Haran, those places of Haran in our lives are important. The one point he receives revelation, as he receives the revelation, God says he's going to bless him. And the promise now, not his father, who's given him the blessing, now God says, I'm going to give you the blessing. What? You know, there's probably something in Jacob at that point thinking, why didn't I just wait? Why didn't I wait? Why didn't I wait for this to happen? Why did I put all that goat's fur on and goat's hair on and that meal that my mother cooked in order to deceive? And I go in and he says to me, it's the smell of Esau. It's the, the, the fur of Esau. But it's the, the smell of Jacob. Yeah, I'm just... See, we'd be like, keep him blind. Smite him with blindness so he cannot see anything. Can you see? All those things would come into play, wouldn't they? Because I would do that. 
I think, goodness, I'm nearly, I'm nearly known here. Not only blindness, but lack of sense of smell. So understand, let's just cover all my bases here, because I'm in a mess. See, those are the things that we do. But you see, when he's there, God speaks to him. And as he speaks to him, listen to what he says. I'm not going to be long. I'll come back to it. And um, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? He wasn't aware. He just went to sleep. He had a dream. Saw angels, saw heaven open, saw the Lord, saw the Lord. And he said, I wasn't aware. Surely the Lord is in this place. This is none other than the house of God. There's the name. This is none other. See, it's not abstract. It's real. This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. And Jacob gave it the name Bethel, which means the house of El. El being the God of the high place. That's what El means, the God of the high place. So here he says, this is the God of the high place. Why did he call it Bethel? Why didn't he call it Beth something else? Because in the dream, he saw the ladder going up and the Lord was at the highest place. Do you understand? And so now when he gives it the name, he names it Bethel, the God of the high place. That's the song we sang this morning. The prophetic song. And he was given the responsibility of naming that place. See, I want you to know that God wants you to name places. See, whatever it is, it can be a heron, a parched place, but it can become a Bethel, a house of God, the habitation of God. See, you're just not aware of it. Your place of work, no matter how difficult it is there, your place of work, God may be wanting you to rename that. Some of you here, I do, do believe, that God is renaming this, this region. He's renaming the family services in this region. He's renaming businesses in this region. Do you understand? He's renaming places because you're there. He's renaming social services. Giving it a different name. Why? Because you're there. You see? And as we go into those places, we get to name those places. Are you with me? And so here, God's provision is always released at your appointed place. See, what's your appointed place? Your homes, your schools, your places of work, your neighborhood. Tesco's. Can you see? We have to start seeing things differently. We have to start seeing that it's not just this, 
Because if God will open our eyes, we will see something quite different that is already at that place of provision. Or sorry, already at the place of appointment. And his provision is there. See, some of you are going to move into a whole new place with God. And it's no longer going to become the natural, the ordinary, the mundane. You're going to move into a place where you begin to realize that this is none other than the habitation of God. I am in that right place. I'm in that right place in my relationships. I'm at the right place. There isn't another place. See, some of us have to cut out places. Some of us have to stop giving ourselves options. Can you see? When he moved from Bathsheba to Haran, he didn't give himself any more options. He was in the barren place. There wasn't any more options open for him. He couldn't connive anymore. You know, you can't make things happen in a barren place. Only God can. Hallelujah. And God wants to make things happen. But it means that you have to stop doing things your way and start doing things God's way. And when you get rid of doing it your way, God turns you inside out. And what you thought was this, it's turned out something totally different. But it's all you've been doing is looking on the outside of the lettuce. Instead of saying, God, would you show me what's on the inside? Because anybody, anybody can see what's on the outside. Do you understand? But you need God's eyes to see what's on the inside. You need, and when I say God's eyes, you need a prophetic experience to see what's on the inside of people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then it stops us going through all the gyrations of trying to make ourselves acceptable in a certain place so that we can be blessed. That's all Jacob was doing. He was just making himself acceptable so he could be blessed. And so here this morning, provision is what God is wanting to release His provision at your appointed place. Everything that you require is at that place. Did you realize that? Everything that Jacob required was at that place. Everything that Jesus required was at the manger. Why? Because that's where the wise men came. And what did they do? They gave him gold, frankincense and myrrh. He needed gold because they were just about to make a journey into Egypt. Why was he going to Egypt? Because God had to bring it full circle and say, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Not a nation, now out of Egypt have I called my son. So he needed God's provision. Also, myrrh was a healing balm through all that he was going to go through. He would need to walk in that healing balm so that he wouldn't be festering over the things that would happen to him. So God provided healing balm for him to walk through all his life. And listen, he had a very difficult life. There was no form of comeliness that we should desire him. He was smitten, wounded by God, rejected by men. Can you see? So he needed that myrrh. And he needed frankincense 
so that he would always offer up a fragrance in his father's presence. See, everything he needed was at that place. Not at the inn, but in the manger. That's where they came. That's where the angels told them to go. God is so specific. You need to start to see that God has a place. Sharon's verse, one of her life verses is Genesis 32 verse 20. Verse Exodus 33 verse 13. There is a place near me. A rock on which you can stand. That's one of her life passages. There is a place near me. See, God has a place for you. And here, we need to step into those places. We're going to break bread this morning. This is a place. This is the sevenfold well of blessing and more. But if Jesus had not gone, it says in Luke 22, they took him to the place of the skull. Wasn't any place. They took him to a place called the, the place or the rock of the skull. Jesus wasn't crucified anywhere. He was crucified somewhere. See, most of us, we can walk through times in our lives, and I say most of us, we can walk through times in our lives where we think we've got to be everywhere. No, you have to be somewhere. Because in that somewhere, is the appointed place that God has for you. And so here, this morning, so I can bring it to some conclusions for you. See, your obedience releases what is waiting for you at the appointed place. Listen to what it says here. This is Jacob. You see, he's still, he's met with God, but he's still the same Jacob. Jacob made a vow saying, God, if you will be with me and watch over me. I mean, he was a great, uh, he could cut a great bargain. Understand? I mean, he could. He was a great negotiator. I mean, he would make deals with anybody. And it says, God, even God, Jacob's made a vow saying, right, he's just said this is none other than the house of God. The next day he took a stone he placed it under his, that he placed under his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on the top of it, and he called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. See, he renamed it. Wow. And then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me, watch over me on this journey I'm taking, and give me food to eat, clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. Can you see? He's still the same. He hasn't changed. Even though he has a prophetic experience, he hasn't changed. Prophetic experiences don't change you. They release expectation of what you can become. It's obedience that changes you. Hallelujah. And he says, then... And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. How's that God? I will give you back 10% out of the 100% that you give me. And you know what? God listened to him. 
See, sometimes God has to meet you in the place that you are in order to move you out of it. Hallelujah. Or didn't you think God was like this? You just think of how Jesus met you. And so here, nearly done. Then we're going to break bread together. You see, your blessing is waiting for you at a certain place. And it's your obedience that releases what is waiting for you at that place. Do you remember Elijah? He was told to go down to Zarath. Uh, he was told to go down to the brook, Kidron, and there the raven would feed him. See, I wonder what me and you would do the morning that the raven didn't show up. Huh? Get on our knees and start praying for the ravens to come. Do you understand? But you see, there was a morning when the ravens didn't show up. Go and get a prayer cloth and lay it on the area that the raven used to come. Start to go into spiritual warfare against all the powers that are holding back the raven. Do you understand? See, what would you do? Start fasting? But you see, God told him, see... He told him, he didn't say to him, now, Jacob, um, Elisha, the ravens aren't going to come in the morning, so I want you to move out because I've got a new place of provision for you. And um, the place of provision is a woman, a widow's house down in Zarephath. Read out, look at what Zarephath means. And, and you see, he didn't say that. He says to him, leave this place and go to Zarephath because I've commanded a woman to feed you he could have said but hey I like the raven's food I like what I've been doing here not only that I like this place this is the place where heaven opens every morning I look and there is the food I would rather trust ravens than people and you see what happened was this he went down And then there comes a time when he goes down and the woman says, I've got nothing at all. See, and the cruise of oil didn't run out, the meal didn't run out until the time when God sent rain on the earth. He could have still gone back to that place looking for it, but he didn't. He knew that when God sent rain, that was over. See, you have to... Walk with God to know that when things are over, God has a new place of provision for you. And in that place of provision, is a, it's a, always a place of increase. Can you see? And so we don't go through starting to pray for the wrong things. Let me tell you, when you're coming out of slavery, when you're coming out of an issue in your life that has bound you, it's jailers that are after you. Do you understand? Get hold of that. See, when you're coming out, when the people of Israel came out of Egypt, it was a jailer by the name of Pharaoh who was keeping them in a place of slavery. It was jailers that were after them because they saw that their territory was being diminished. But when you are about to enter your place of promise, It's not jailers, it's giants that face you. There is a big difference. 
See, some of us need a fresh discernment on what the battle is that we're facing. Because some of us are trying to use the strategies of how we deal with the jailer on the giants that block our way into our Canaan and into our promise. And so God wants you to begin to see, see, when you left Egypt, when you came out of a place of slavery, when you exited, it wasn't giants that were standing in your path. But when you come into the promised land, there are always giants. Why? Because they want to keep you out of the increased blessing that God has for you. And it's your obedience that will always bring you into the greater place of blessing. And do you know this? Let me just say this. God uses increase and blessing as an incentive for you to walk in obedience. We haven't got this hard God, harsh God, who is just looking for gritted teeth obedience. He always tells us that there is blessing for us to go into, but we need to walk in obedience. Amen? Half past. Oh, I've got so much more, but hey. Mm. Increase is your incentive for obedience. When God is wanting to release you into your place of blessing, he talks to you about a new step of obedience. It's always the case. You look at it with Jacob, you look at it with Abraham, you look at it with Jesus. Remember the time? And it says, he must go through a certain place. Remember that verse I preached on a few months ago? that um, God told him not to go down by the way of Samaria, but then there's another time that God tells him that he must go through that place. See, because there's blessing that's going to be released there. And the blessing that he was going to release as he went into that place was to the Syrophoenician woman. Without him being obedient, can you see, the blessing wouldn't have been released. And so God's... God, when he speaks to us about obedience, it's an incentive for us to step into a greater level of blessing, a greater level of faith, a greater level or a greater dimension, a greater sphere, a new environment. See, we use all of these words every week, every month. Over the last, I don't know how many years, 18 years, we've used words like this. But it comes down to some very practical things. Let me ask you this. Are you in the right place? Huh? He came to a certain place. See, this morning, I came to a certain place. That place was called the Church at the Ark, 117 to 120 Wolverhampton Street. I mean, you can't get more specific than that, can you? Huh? So you're in a certain place. And I believe that this is the place where God has stored a blessing for you. And he doesn't want you to focus on all the stuff that's going on the outside. Let me tell you, if you don't already know it, 
And some of us, I think we do know. We already know the Laban that's in our life. Huh? Do you know the Laban that's in your life? The one that's, you know, can bring things to your attention that you didn't even think about. And God does that so that he can get to your heart. It says of Jacob, and I finish with this, it says of Jacob, when he gets to chapter 35, he's got all this, all the sheep that he's um, connived out of, or stolen, shall we say, stolen out of a little bit of wizardry. Well, you try and do it. I know people get into all types of things, but you try getting a few sticks, striping them down, sticking them in front. Go out to a farm if you find some sheep. Strip a few sticks and see if the sheep, when they produce lambs, change color. There was something else happening. Do you understand? And he gets all of Laban's wealth. Now he's got all this wealth. Whoa, what you see? He hasn't dealt with the root issue, which was Esau. He hadn't dealt with the root issue, which was when he was in the womb. Oh, it goes deep. And so he's got all of this wealth. He's got two wives. So these children, he's done well for himself. God, I'll easily give you a tenth of all of this. And then what happens as he's making his way back, somebody said, oh, Jacob, Esau's on his way. What? No. I thought I'd left that one behind years ago, at least 14 years ago. He hadn't seen Esau. I thought that was all. No, he's on his way to meet you. And what does he think straight away? See, what he thinks is, Esau hasn't changed. He thinks Esau is still the murderer. Huh? But you see, God's turned Esau inside out for him. See, we don't often think of that about Esau. And he's turned Esau out and he sends all the sheep. Then he sends Leah and all her children. And then lastly, he sends Rachel because he's got... All his ducks in the row. A little bit like me. I can put my ducks in the row. So he sent everything down. And it says then, that night, he was left alone. He's got nothing. 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 He's got nothing. He's given it all away. And that night... An angel of the Lord comes and wrestles with him all day, all night. Until it was coming morning and he touches his hip and he puts his hip out of joint, dislocates his hip. Let me tell you, that was painful. Dislocates his hip. And Jacob still says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now he has no blessing from his conniving, from his usurping, from his grasping. 
he now is holding on to God in a new way. And he didn't say he grasped. It says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he gave that name a place too. He gave that place a name too. And then he goes on, and this is where I finish. Well, I'll, finish I'll come back to it. He then meets his brother. He says, because he called the place where God had fought with him Peniel. Peniel means the face of God. I've seen the face of God and my life has been preserved. Do you know when he sees Esau? He sees Esau now like the face of God. See, it's changed the way that he looks at Esau. Esau says, why have you given me all of this? Why all this? Why all of this? And he said, I just wanted to bless you. He said, I've got more than enough. I don't need all of this. And then he says, I have seen you today. I have seen your face today like the face of God because the way you're dealing with me has changed. See, God will make even those who are against us to become for us.